This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 532. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 532. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I'm so glad to be here in your ear today. And today's episode is a little heavier, but I think it will also be, you know, I'm really good at bringing levity to heavy things, I like to think. So um, it won't all be heavy, but we're going to talk about grief and we're going to talk about it for a specific reason because I'm going through something specific that I wanted to share, but also because I've had this interesting experience recently in our private Facebook group. So our private Facebook group, any of you can join. It's our free Facebook group for shameless moms. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook. So we've had this experience in that group recently where a number of times moms have popped in and said, hey, has Sarah done an episode on a certain topic? They'll list the topic. If so, can someone point me there? And so I've been paying attention to those posts. So thank you for those of you who've asked those questions, because that's been helpful to me to recognize like, oh, there's some holes in my 532 episodes. As it turns out, there are some things I actually haven't talked about yet. And so I was thinking about today's episode and thinking it feels a little soon to do this episode. But also I thought, if I do it now, someday down the road, and for some of you, this might be really timely right now, or for some of you, it might be in the next couple months or even couple years, you'll say, I wonder if she ever did an episode on grief. And I can say, hey, listen to episode 532. So I wanted to do this episode because I know for us, we're walking through grief as a family right now, which I'll share our story in a minute. But I also know that so many of us have walked through grief recently. And 
in a very traditional context of losing a loved one for many of us in the last year or so. But also we're just grieving the loss of so many things. And so I think no matter where you're at, this is probably going to be an episode that resonates in some way because of what we're going through in the world and in the United States, you know, in a global pandemic, in a racial reckoning, like all of these things. And on top of that, many of us have had very dramatic, traumatic losses around loved ones during that time. So our loss of a loved one happened last week where we lost our granny Danny. So Danny was our dog who I thought was 15, but it turns out she was 14. (laughs) So I mean, see, we're already adding laughter. So I very much thought that Danny had just recently turned 15. And as it turns out, she recently turned 14. (laughs) But I mean, I do think we're allowed to lose track. I also had myself misaged by a year for most of last year as well. So this is just a pandemic thing, I think, where we're like giving ourselves extra years or forgetting entire years or whatever. I don't know. So regardless, Vinny or Danny went in for her annual checkup last Monday. And I noticed before that checkup that she seemed a little lethargic. But also when you have a dog who's 14 or 15, as the case may be, they're just slowing down, right? And my what I have been saying to myself for a while now, as I've noticed her slowing down is she's really old, like in human years, she's like literally a hundred when we look at that calculation of what a senior dog, how a dog, how dog years compute to human years. And so when she's like slow to walk up our hill, I'm like, well, yeah, because if I was a hundred, I would be walking up the hill pretty slowly too. So in any case, she was pretty lethargic on Monday and we took her outside and I noticed that instead of playing with Piper, she was just kind of standing there, not really doing anything. So my husband took her to the vet and when he came home, he said, there's some not so great news. It looks like she might have some fluid on her abdomen. And so they want her to come back on Wednesday to do an ultrasound to check it out. And so I was like, okay. And then I noticed within like 30 minutes of her getting home from that appointment. So she got home at like between five and five thirty that evening. She just looked awful. She was under the dining room table where she likes to nap in case Vinny might drop food there. And she could barely lift her head up. She couldn't keep her eyes open, but she wasn't really sleeping. She just looked awful. And I noticed that she was kind of trembling at times. And Vinny was under the table giving her a lot of love, as he does. And Vince and I, my husband and I, were looking at each other like, what is happening? Like, did that visit just really stress her out? Or like all of a sudden, she just seemed like a totally different dog than she had been hours before. And so over the course of the evening, she just looked worse and worse. And we ended up taking her into the emergency vet. And the emergency vet did some testing. And they found they did the ultrasound. So the ultrasound that she was going to have two days later, um, they just ended up doing that night and they found a tumor. And they said that they found tumor and internal bleeding. And they said, based on what they were seeing, that there was a surgery they could do that would be expensive. And Also, that they weren't sure that it would actually be super helpful in giving her back quality of life. If they was helpful in that way, it would probably only buy us a couple months. And so my husband came home from the emergency vet. Danny was still there. They wanted to, while they were running more tests, and we kind of talked through options. And it seemed pretty clear to us that like putting her down seemed like the next right step. We, the next morning, we got back blood work from her annual visit from the vet that really confirmed this, like her liver function was not right and some other things. And so we felt like we had two medical professionals saying like, this just really doesn't look good. And we don't see a way of prolonging her life and that looks super promising. And I will say I'm so grateful that we had 
I feel like that was just really lucky that we had two healthcare providers that were in agreement and that confirmed it for us so that that decision did not have to feel like it was so huge on our shoulders and or so unclear that we didn't know which way to go. So we decided that we would put her down. And when we decided to do that, they said that sooner than later, because when you have this internal bleeding, things can get really unpredictable and really dicey pretty quickly. And so literally her health was visibly starting to decline at five o'clock on Monday evening. And we put her down at three o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. So it was really, really fast. But I also I still feel grateful, especially that we didn't have to watch her suffer, especially that we didn't have to make a ton of decisions that we didn't have to make a judgment call around like when is the right time and is today the right day or and I've seen a lot of people go through that as pet owners. And so it just it unfolded really quickly. I think for my husband and I also like we have been saying for a while like this might be her last year and like she's just an old dog. And so this wasn't out of nowhere for us in terms of us being mentally prepared. It was definitely different for Vinny, who was definitely not mentally prepared. So that's been a different challenge. And you know, Vinny's an only child and Danny was there when he was born. We did a home birth, which I did a whole episode on that. Don't recommend it. And But I did a home birth and Danny was literally like on the birth tub, her chin on the birth tub watching me give birth. And so they have been together every single day of Vinny's life, unless we're traveling or whatever, since day one. So this was a really, really big deal for him. And that's been a whole layer of pain and grief that's like its own thing, watching your child grieve. But what I have found to be really helpful is there are gifts of grief. And that's what I want to dig into today. And I've noticed this now in being with other loved ones as they have passed away. I had the really good fortune of being with my father-in-law when he passed away. I was in the room with him. I was also in with my mother-in-law. I was not in the room with her, but I was like right outside the room. And I've also gotten to be around as grandparents have passed away. And there's some things that I've noticed over time, these gifts of grief. And when you're in the moment of loss, things feel incredibly overwhelming And, you know, everyone's going to handle those moments very differently and be and experience emotion in different ways and experience trauma in different ways. But I've noticed these similarities and walking through this in different capacities over time. And I thought it might be helpful to talk through some of these gifts of grief, because I have always come out of the other end noticing certain things. And I think those things are really important to talk about because loss is awful, obviously, and grief and loss are really traumatic, obviously. But there are these really beautiful things that happen as you are going through the phases of loss and grief that I think are really important to acknowledge. Because if you can see them, or if you are facing loss, and you know that that's coming, you can know that these things are coming. I think that that can be really helpful. So I'm going to talk through the gifts of grief that I have been able to pinpoint having gone through these different experiences, and I hope that they'll be helpful to you. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. So the first gift of grief is the looking back. And so when you are going through that process of impending loss or loss, there's this looking back that happens where you look back at your life with a certain person or pet, whatever the case may be. And there's this reliving of memories and there's storytelling and there's something interesting, I think, that happens in those moments because I noticed going through this, especially going through this with Vinny in the last week, like the way you tell stories kind of changes and there's this, you cement the stories in a different way, like, cause you're seeing them through a different lens, first of all. And then also it seems like the emotion around them is richer and thicker and the story becomes brighter, even if it's a sad story, like the you paint it in brighter colors, and it becomes cemented that way. And I think that there's something really powerful in that reliving. We've been making this Google photo album of all pictures of Danny. And it's been so fun to look at these pictures over the years. And we have all these pictures from before Vinny was born and where we get to tell him like, oh, and that's the time that we did this thing with Danny. And like before Vinny was born, Danny did everything with us. So we have all these pictures and stories and we get to tell him all those things, which has been really Really fun and for us to relive those memories as well. Like the first time she went to like literally the day we got her, we took her to a bonfire because that's what you do when you're young and you get a new puppy, right? So we like took her to a bonfire at Golden Gardens, this big huge park in Seattle on the water. Like probably ridiculously overstimulating for her and probably totally bad judgment call and inappropriate. But we have these memories of being there and there was other friends there and other friends with dogs and it was like this initiation and around this bonfire with all these people and telling Vinny that story was really, really precious. And so it's reliving of the memories and painting these stories with really bright colors so that you remember them forever that way moving forward. Because in many ways, like this is might be your last time addressing that story or telling it in such a profound way. And what happens in those moments is there's this idealization that is so profound. Because what happens is you are idealizing what you lost so that only the good parts live on in you. So you're idealizing that you lost this person or this pet or whatever the thing is that you lost. And you're not looking at the hard parts or the bad times or the struggles. You're looking at the good things. And so only the good parts live on. So I'm not going to remember like at no point, except for like joking and laughing, was I remembering over the last few days or the last week, all the times that 
Danny was barfing in the house and pooping in the house and like doing things that annoyed me and annoyed me to no end at times. And at no time was I remembering the hard things. You're just remembering all of these good things that had such impact on you. And those are the parts that get to live on, right? So there's this idealization of the relationship and who that person was or who that pet was. And that becomes this really beautiful gift. So I think that looking back is really, really significant and really, really important. The second gift of grief is the receiving of love. And this was actually really profound and overwhelming to me when we went through IVF a few years ago and it failed. And then we thought was kind of the end of our journey to having a second child. And the receiving of love was something I didn't see coming. And oh my goodness, it was really overwhelming and just so incredibly touching. And so I think whenever you go through a loss, the receiving of love is so much and it's so touching. And it's this reminder of all of the people who always are holding you, but you don't stop and think about that on a daily basis. And so there's this sense of like, holy cow, all of these people care. And there's so many times when you are working through your day and hustling through your life and you're like, nobody knows how hard it is and nobody cares and everyone's doing their own thing. And when there's this collective pause around you for people to stop and say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry that you're hurting and I'm with you and I understand and I've been there too, or I don't understand and I've never been there, but I love you so much. Like any of those things, it is just so powerful to remember how incredibly loved we are and that we are all always holding each other, but we don't know it until we have those moments. And then all of a sudden you recognize how many people are holding you all the time. And it's not a momentary thing. It is really that like all those people who reach out in those hard times, they're holding you always and every day. And that is so beautiful. And that's extremely touching. And I don't, I certainly, as someone who doesn't ask for help ever to just be given that is one of the biggest gifts of grief for me, for sure. Because it's having other people care for you, having other people show up and just drop their stuff. We had people show up with gifts and books for Vinny and meals and cards and messages and FaceTiming and like just all of these things. And it was so impactful and so kind. And it's also I recognize that when I've been able to do that for other people, it feels really, really good. And so when that receiving of love, it feels really good to receive it. But I also know on the other end that it feels really good for people to do those things. And so the huge thank you to all of you. So many of you reached out. I have messages across every platform that I have not been able to keep up with. But thank you. Thank you. We have felt that tremendously. And my husband, who doesn't use social media to the extent that I do, was like, I don't know how to respond to all these people who are commenting on Facebook. And I was like, you don't have to respond to every single one. Like you can like it and then do like a group response at the bottom of the post (laughs) and and everyone will feel seen. And so because we do have this like we want to say thank you to every single person. And that feels like a lot and especially a lot when you're in the middle of grief yourself. But that receiving of love feels really, really good. The other piece is having people as part of the receiving of love is people sharing their relatable experiences and sharing, oh my gosh, I've been there and I know exactly what that feels like. And many people have said, we lost our dog this year or we lost a dog three years ago and I still feel it every day. And so that has been really helpful when we went through IVF to have people say like, oh my gosh, I've been there. And at that time, because that was, you know, and for many people much more private, I got a lot of private messages about that. 
not so much public of people sharing their experiences and, you know, saying like, I've been through that seven times myself. I know exactly what it feels like. I understand how no one else understands unless you've been through it. And so we have that moment of receiving other people's love in sometimes ways that is just really, really unique based on the circumstances. And then the other part of receiving love is that other people share their memories with you. And so with the loss of Danny, we had other people sending us pictures of time that they had spent with her. We had one of our house sitters. This was so cute. So a former preschool teacher of Vinny whose house sat for us, her husband and Danny are amazing friends when they have house sat for us. I've never even met the husband, (laughs) but when they've house sat for us a couple times, the wife has messaged me to be like, oh my gosh, my husband and Danny are obsessed with each other. So she was sharing pictures of her husband who I've never met and my dog and it was adorable. And my friend Dana was sending me pictures of her kids with Danny when they took care of Danny at one time. So it's like we get to live these memories together, which is really, really special. And I also think really important. And just I think it's all part of the healing process, too, when we get to look back together and bring joy to each other together. I think it's really powerful. I also know in watching families go through this is the sharing of memories of loved ones and being able to hear like, oh my goodness, here's what I love so much about your mother or your father or your sister, your brother, whatever the case may be. And to see the way that lost loved one impacted others' lives is really, really cool. In fact, one of the people who was sending pictures of Danny with her girls said like you inspired us Danny inspired us to get our dog and we got Danny because someone else had a dog that inspired us so there was another dog in our life some friends had this dog years and years ago Shiloh and Shiloh was like the perfect dog and we got Danny because we wanted a Shiloh and so now we know like there's other people who have gotten a dog because they wanted a Danny and that is oh my goodness that just like makes my heart explode so that's really really special as well no one told us the truth about parenthood Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. 
I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. The other gift of grief is the intimate moments. And someone posted on my post when I said on Monday night, I asked for people to send up some puppy prayers for Danny who knew she was having a hard time. And someone said, a woman, Elise, actually, Elise Bowie, who is someone I interviewed on the show years ago. And I think she has six adult children now. And she said, some of them are most poignant moments as a family and poignant memories as a family have been at the times of loss of a pet. And I said, thank you so much for sharing that. That's something I needed to hear. And she's so right. And I just, that helped me look, not that I was looking forward to walking through this, but it helped me look at it differently. And this was before we kind of knew exactly what we were going to have to do and the timeframe we were going to have to do it. But it gave me this position to be like, this is something we're going to do together. And this is going to be a big deal. And we... Like it's one of those things that shapes you as a family unit. And so I knew going into it that the tears and the tenderness, they would become a part of us as a family and a part of our relationship together as a unit. So when I think whenever you have these moments, whenever you have these losses, the people that are with you and the people who walk that journey with you the tears and the tenderness become a part of your relationship with that person moving forward and with your family, if that's the case, with they become a part of that relationship. And that's really significant. And I can look back and notice now and seeing other friends grieve things and thinking specifically about a friend of mine who lost twins a number of years ago. Um, she had stillborn twins and walking through some of that with her, like that truly became a part of our relationship. Like our relationship was grounded in that experience because we actually weren't super close before that. And some things that happened right around that time just put us in the situation where that became so foundational in our relationship. And I think that for us as a family, this loss of Danny has become foundational for us. And I'm thinking back of to when my husband lost one of his sisters in a really bad car accident. And they were actually all together, him and his whole family were together for a family reunion. We had recently just started, we had been dating for just a few months. I was not there. They were all together for this family reunion. And my niece had brought her boyfriend. And so my husband's sister dies in this car accident, literally the day before this family reunion is supposed to happen. The whole family's already in town for the reunion. It's obviously a very traumatic situation. And my niece's boyfriend, who was just out of college at the time, he was the person who was able to hold it together for everyone because he was the person who was not so closely related to the situation that he was unable to function. He was one of the people who was obviously devastated, but also able to carry on. That's also just kind of his nature. So not kind of, it's totally his nature. But I remember there's been so many times since then, so many people have talked about the way that he showed up in that situation and the way that he just like showed up and he got things done when no one else could even like see straight because this was so such a an overwhelmingly traumatic experience. And I remember thinking, and everyone would say this too, that like, that's when they all knew that he would forever be part of the family. Because 
of the way he was able to show up in that situation and because that was a grounding foundational experience in terms of what all those relationships would look like moving forward because of, again, the tenderness and the intimacy of that time and that he was right there and right in it, helping people get through it. And so I think that those parts are while they're extremely, extremely hard, those intimate moments and that sitting in pain and emotion with other people is significant in those relationships moving forward. I also think that in those intimate moments, one of the things that I'm like smiling right away thinking of this is that there's these silly things that are very irreverent that happen in grief that are extremely healing. And so you find yourself probably just for like, to be able to move on, you find yourself in situations where someone cracks a joke and you're like, holy cow, like that's totally inappropriate. And also like exactly what I needed to hear right now. Like someone just died, but I need to make a joke about something. Right. And it feels very irreverent, but it's like this emotional release that everyone in the room really needs. And you didn't even know that you needed it, but all of a sudden you feel like a hundred pounds lighter. And that happens in those moments. It's those intimate moments where someone says something and you're like, yeah, like that's totally true. And I needed that laugh. And so this even happened with us last night. Vinny was talking about Piper and he's concerned about his communication. He said, mom, Piper and I just don't have good communication skills, <laughs> which I thought was very insightful of him at age eight. And I said, well, Vinny Piper doesn't have good communication skills with anyone. And he said, but Danny was a really good communicator. And okay, like the truth behind the scenes is that Danny was a good communicator because she was so old, she just laid there and she would listen to Vinny sing all day long and talk to her all day long. Piper can't do that. Piper has no time to sit still for anyone. So what's hilarious though, is I'm, and I'm laughing to myself as we're talking about this, but it was still pretty, we were being pretty uh, serious in this conversation. But then I said, well, I said, Vinny, Danny's always going to be your number one. And he was like, yeah, she's always going to be my number one. And then I said, and Piper's going to be your number two. I was like, we don't have to tell Piper that she's the number two, but Piper's the number two. Oh my God. All you need to do is say number two to an eight-year-old. And all of a sudden he was laughing hysterically. Piper's the number two. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to tell my friend James that Piper's the number two. Like basically now our dot, now it's poopy Piper. Piper's number two because Danny was number one. And now the whole thing, like now we are grieving with potty talk and we can all laugh, right? And so these are the things that have to happen. <laughs> like you have to have these moments of irreverence. And for now on, like, that's Piper's nickname. I know it's going to stick. There's no doubt in my mind, Piper's number two. And only within our family and all of you listening, will people know what that means? Because they'll think, oh, it's your number two, like your second dog. And Vinny will be quick to tell you, nope, it's our number two. It's Poopy Piper. <laughs> and so we get to have that moment. And again, that like creates that intimacy of that shared experience of walking through this process together, which we won't forget. <laughs> we will not forget. And then the last gift of grief that I want to share with you is the opportunity that we have to write the endings of stories and chapters in our lives. And I think that this is something I talk about in so many contexts on the show, but in this situation and in, in the situation of loss, we have these really important opportunities to write the endings of stories and we get to decide how we move forward. And it's been really interesting watching people in my life as they've lost loved ones who maybe they had contentious relationships with. Or maybe there was some, you know, like it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns like it was with Danny. There was layers that were sometimes hard. And you get to write the endings of the stories. And I've seen people in such beautiful ways, especially as it relates to parents, be able to say goodbye to a parent that they had a challenging relationship with and be really grateful for what they had and also honor the parts that were really hard, but be able to 
write the ending and close the book or close the chapter in a way that creates peace for everyone. And I think that that's what's so important is that you get to choose how you write the ending of the story. And so, you know, the ending of the story could easily be, and I've been so careful about how we frame this with Vinny, the ending of this story for us with Danny could be like, we barely got to say goodbye. It happened so fast. We didn't see it coming. It was so traumatic. It's not fair. We want more time. And all those things are true. And Vinny kept saying yesterday, last night, I'm recording this less than 24 hours after this happened. So last night, Vinny kept saying to me, I just want one more minute with her. I just want one more minute. And when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, like me too. I just want one more minute. I totally get it. But the way that we're going to frame the story is that we are so grateful that Danny didn't have to suffer. And we're so grateful that the doctors gave us this really clear path that for us just seemed like the clear and obviously best choice. We're so grateful that she was so happy up until the end and that she didn't have to suffer and that we didn't have to go through this long drawn out phase of wondering about her quality of life and how much pain she was in that we didn't have to one of my fears we live in a three-story house and one of my fears was like how are we gonna get this dog up and down all these stairs as she gets older and her hips were starting to get bad and I was like are we gonna be carrying this 70 pound dog up and down stairs for the ending of her life and what will that look like and we never had to do any of that so the way that I'm writing the ending of the story is that, yes, of course, it's extremely hard and extremely sad. And also, we got so lucky. This was the best thing that could have happened for Danny. And I'm so grateful. And that doesn't mean that it's not sad for us and that it's not hard and that it doesn't feel unfair. But oh my goodness, like we could have, it could have looked so different. Even in the face of COVID, like we got to spend this whole last year with her every single day, right? <laughs> Not like, oh, her last year had to be in a pandemic, boohoo. No, like her last year got to be in a pandemic where we got to be with her every single day. And so I think that that piece, the writing, the ending is just so significant. And choosing how you write that ending means everything and, and also impacts how you move forward in order to heal. So those are my gifts of grief, the looking back, the receiving of love, the intimate moments, and the writing, the endings of the stories and the chapters in your life. So I hope this was helpful. If you know someone who's grieving, please feel free to share this with them. This will forever be the episode about grief, so you can point people to it in the future. I appreciate you being here and listening. I so appreciate the massive outpouring of love for our sweet girl, Granny Danny. And I just appreciate being able to have this space to show up and tell funny stories and talk about serious stuff and be like an activist and also be a mom and also be like the dog owner who's just obsessed with her dog and feeling really, really sad right now. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.